0: What is up, you two? Hello, everybody. Welcome aboard the Soul Train for the next, oh, I don't know, hour or so. Jay Pink and I are going to be burning down your structures little by little. Hopefully no fires tonight, but what we are going to do is a lawn care help desk. We're going to do our often requested, rarely have time to execute the call-in show. If you are interested in calling in, feel free to give us a call at three zero four eighty grass three zero four eighty grass uh, But I want to put out a couple of caveats before we get into that. And number one is, uh, please understand that everything I say is based on my experience and my education. People with different experience, different education are going to have different methods to get to the overall end same result. Um Understand that some of the things I may say, I may make a mistake when I say I am human, I am fallible. Sometimes I'll think I'm talking about cool season grass and I'll give an answer for warm season grass. Always double check everything that comes out of my mouth. Understand that sometimes I just flub. And then also understand there's going to be some things I just flat out don't know the answer to. I might be able to get to it, but I may not. So I just want to apologize on the front end that if I don't know the answer to your question, I don't know everything again. This is all based off my experience, my education and people with differences may have a different thought on it, but that's okay. That being said, we had a lot of action in the room here before we actually got started, uh, which was, uh, which was, which was great. Uh, lots of questions, a little bit about it. The Fuma said, a lot of people clearly still working with some, uh, uh, seed information. I had one person even ask about Mazama. Um, and you know like I'll give you a perfect example of something I don't understand they were asking for a shade tolerant kentucky bluegrass that blended well with uh with mazama and I just have no idea at all uh wh- where to even begin with that uh, I would start with the in trials and then try and cross reference textures that most closely match mazama uh so kind of a weird thing you got there and it sounds like we have our first caller. Caller, you're live. Hello. Hey, how are you? How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. You're on the lawn care help desk. How can I help you, sir?
1: I was going to say thank you to Matt for
0: giving me the advice on uh,
1: my soil test earlier this year.
0: Is this Barry? It's Barry. Barry, what are you doing, sir? Watching TV and talking to you right now. Yeah, I hear you. If if you don't mind, turn down the uh, the radio in the background a little bit. There, I guess that's your TV, huh? Uh, yeah, to, yeah, I, did uh, good. <laughs> I, I could kind of catch it in the in the in the background. There It was bleeding through my microphone. Um, well, good. I I honestly do not remember off the top of my head, but what recommendations were made to you? But I assume the grass did not die.
1: No, <laughs> no, it didn't die. I had to cut it more than I wanted to, and uh, it all worked out well. You guys told me about a triple one, so I went with a nineteen, nineteen, nineteen. Got my pH adjusted a little bit,
0: and that worked out well for you. Yes, it did. Thank you very much, man. Yeah, you're more than welcome, Barry. Refresh my memory. What part of the country are you in? Massachusetts. Oh, Lord have mercy. We got a damn hole on the line. Do you yeah. know, do you know, do you know Lushy? Kind of life. Are you really? You know up there near
1: Lushy? I, I'm close to him. I think he's like near Worcester. I'm a little more West than him, but I'm Is friends it, with him on, uh, Instagram or that other thing.
0: Now I hear you. Uh, I don't, uh, yeah, I I mean, really, Massachusetts as a state is not big. So I'd say you're all really neighbors, right?
1: Well, it's got different climates. You go on to Cape Cod, and it's one way. It's like North Carolina weather. And you get in the middle, and it's like totally different. And the west is in the hill towns.
0: No, I, I hear you. Um, that's, uh, that's all, that's all Greek to me.
1: Yeah. You have to come up and visit sometime.
0: I would, but I'm scared of the North, Barry. I'm not going to lie. I'm scared of the North. I talk funny. I've got a real goofy ass accent and, uh, and I've, I've got this odd feeling that I go up there and, uh, someone's going to end up kicking my ass.
1: No, I don't think so. That's not going to (laughs) happen.
0: Well, We're listen. Friends. Yeah, I know. I'm just <laughs> um, <laughs> Somebody said Barry follows Lushy on MySpace. I don't know if that's the case. Barry, thanks for calling in. I'm glad it worked out for you. If there's anything else we can uh, we can help with, uh, please please let me know. Thank you, sir.
1: No, I just I was going to throw down the next last bag of Carbon X, and you already answered that question.
0: Oh, Lord, have mercy. Yeah, get rid of it. Tell it, rest in peace. Pour a poor cold beer over the empty bag when you're done and call it good.
1: Yeah, that's what I was planning on doing.
0: (laughs) All right, sir. Well, Well, it was good talking talking to you. Yeah, man.
1: Nice talking to you,
0: too. Thank you. All right, we'll see you. See, we're doing the live calls. Look at this. If you want to call in, be on air. 304-804-7277. 304-804-7277 or 304-80 Grass. How about that one right there? Uh I'll cut checking in from the chat real quick. A couple things. Turf mechanic, my man Brian in the Yoss. glad to see you here, good sir. I man cooking dinner. I forgot you're out there on the west, on the western uh, portion of the U.S. where y'all probably still got a little bit of sunshine. Couple of questions here. Bill Super T A said, Matt, if my soil results show phosphorus very high, does that mean that the phosphorus in my soil is readily available? That is going to be more of an influence of your soil pH and the test methodology uh, that was performed. However, as a general rule of thumb, if you're high in, in FOSS, you don't have to worry about applying it. No, no reason to go dumping a bunch of fossil. in Collar, Caller, caller, you're on the air.
2: Hey. hey, Matt, this is Garrett Scott down in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, What's up, I was big I calling dog? to get your opinion on uh, what what is your opinion on applying uh, bricks, readings, and uh, leaf sap samples uh, when it comes to turf grass
0: zero um literally zero there couldn't be anything more correlative towards anything less correlative towards turf performance than um uh bricks or sap or tissue testing it's just so unnecessary um especially in a in a, in a home lawn setting where that is applicable is going to be uh in various uh agricultural settings right because when you, when you think about it right there, especially for like high yield type farmers, and I'll talk about corn uh, um, because it's typically the easiest to relate to. But when you go from certain stages, like from you know, you're at your V stage and you're going to tassel, um, you know, you have some kind of weird things take place within the plant, and you want to make sure uh, nutrition wise that you are getting what is needed into the plant so you can maximize those yields we don't grow turf grass for for yield. Uh we grow it for uh, uh we're judged on how qu- much of a quality playing surf it is or in the in the instance of a home lawn, typically it's gauged by color, right? And you could argue that bricks play some, you know, kind of role in that, but all in all, no, not really. Um so there's there's I can't think of any reason in a home lawn or uh, sports turf setting where Uh, measuring, monitoring, making adjustments based off bricks or, uh, tissue levels or sap levels would, would be necessary ever.
2: Oh, okay. Well, I, well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll apply a theory and I'll let you know what I find out, but I just wanted to see what your input was. And I appreciate
0: it. Tell me your theory. I'm curious. I want to know.
2: So there's a, there's a big, there's a big push that, um, especially when it comes to bricks, um, anything below a 13 or 13 or below is susceptible and attractive to, um, uh, to pests and disease, uh, specifically in, when it comes to the, the plant's ability to produce certain sugars, uh, that then fight off, uh, individual insects, depending on the level of bricks that it has. Uh, so depending on a certain level of bricks, it's attractive to certain, uh, certain levels of, um of insects and disease versus if it's a healthy enough plant, it can actually fight off by producing the certain sugars that fight off those, those insects and disease. Uh, And that that's kind of, I was just curious as far as like inputs and stuff like that, you know, of course at the end of the day, do you have an unhealthy lawn? It's going to be more desirable when it comes to disease and insects. And I just didn't know if there was anything that you were aware of, um, especially in the turf realm, you kind of focus on that. I know the fields don't cross always. Um, and that's just kind of a, a, theory as far as trying to apply less and still get great results, um, and, and focus on a healthy lawn is kind of where my theory is going. Um, and I just didn't know if you had any inputs based, based on that.
0: Yes. Okay. So I will tell you Hell that yeah. why I formed the, the, where I stand right now is, uh, I used to be in that boat. That was what I, that was what I did. Um, I was a big subscriber of that and I went about it every which way imaginable to try and because for for me, my big thing when I moved to Knoxville was how do I mitigate the uh, the the brown uh, brown patch pressure that I face here. Right. And Mm -hmm. I was willing to do anything necessary to mitigate that. And there was a lot of BCSR at play. There was a lot of of you know trying to promote the highest bricks content in the plant possible. And in terms of return on investment, I, I wouldn't say it was zero, um, but it was definitely no more than like five percent. So mm-hmm. that was that was why I kind of went back towards turf centric research, right? And um and turf centric research shows that as long as you maintain uh, uh uh really just a um a, a you know what's quantified as a, a minimum level of sustainable nutrition as long as you are in excess of that then typically the genetics and cultivars that we have available to us today will maintain adequate bricks levels and uh the 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 aspects of the plant you you can capitalize on those positive aspects of the individual genetics uh without having to uh, you know, go out there and make your specialty applications to try and drive up sugar levels in the plant. Uh, if you were using extremely old cultivars or something, you might your mileage may vary into a little bit more of the successful side. I don't know; It's a shot in the dark. Uh, but at least everything I've managed over the last um, you know ten, twelve years, not no impact whatsoever.
2: And and that makes sense based off of especially because basic macro and uh, micro and macronutrients that we apply through our fertilizer applications um, are very heavily linked to, to the overall health of the turf and its ability to fight off those sort of things. So I completely get that. Um, An additional step that I'm going to try to take is in, in a tested environment, of course, is, is to, is to as not only mitigate uh, applications of those uh, fertilizers but is but even um uh f- sorry um antifungals and um uh, pesticides as well um things things of that nature focusing on the soil health and, and and i completely get where you're coming from and i'm not trying to you know go against what what your research and your experience of many many years <laughs> have against my amateur status uh no, so but no not, it not was at just, all. Uh, it's just
0: a theory that i'll go off of It's, it's, it's worth a try. And I'll tell you, Mm -hmm. you and I'll kind of put you through the life cycle I went through the first year. I felt optimistic. The second year I scratched my head. The third year I was banging my head against the wall. So that was kind of how (laughs) it went. And then where I started, where I kind of redeemed myself is when I started top dressing with compost. I felt good about that. And, you know, again, ran into another cycle. First year was good. Second year wasn't quite as good. Third year. I would start to kind of create problems for myself. So I'm curious if that will be a similar, uh, kind of life cycle that you'll experience on it, but I definitely don't want to detract you for it, uh, uh, from it. Uh, check it out. I think, uh, I think it's, it's worth a shot. And, um, you know, who knows, you may have the cultivar blend that, that tends to, to revel in that type of scenario. So, Check it out.
2: Okay. We'll 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 find out. I'll let you know if you find out anything other than what you've already learned.
0: Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for calling in. Thanks, man. Have a good one. All right, you too. What a great call. And see, I I, I love that. Um and my goodness, it has been <laughs> it has been uh, many years, but you know, so, uh, back when, uh, you know, when we had John Ware on Thirsty Thursday, by the way, you could check that out on Thursday. We do a live show called Thirsty Thursday with my friends, Ray Ito and, uh, uh, Ryan DeMay, uh, awesome turf grass professionals out there way smarter than I am. And that's why I love having them on. Um, and it gives us a unique perspective too, right? Because it's three totally wild ass different approaches Hell to managing yeah. turf that you hear between us, but Back in the lawn site days, ICT organics was always crammed. I mean, it was everywhere. Sumagrow, ICT organics. And man, I went all in on it. All in. And uh, I tried it every which way imaginable. And uh, it just never did perform well for me. It might for other people in different areas with different turf types. But for me and what I was doing here, it wasn't. Oh, boy. Caller, you're on the air. and we're out uh one of the uh if you do feel like calling in 304-80 grass or 304-804-7277 and we got another one let's see what happens here hello caller caller you're on the air we got a twofer there we might be making was, some people nervous it was the
3: same number I, they might be having issues on their end
0: uh, gotcha, i got you i got you uh, Jeppa Del Martin said seated three days ago with untreated turf type tall fescue concerned about fungus had about a Pythium and brown patch this late spring and summer. Can I apply a Zoxy safely? Yes, you can When Now you can. Here's the thing. Jeppa is, uh, if you are not in the conditions that are favorable for the development of disease, and I doubt you would be for Pythium right now, you don't have the heat. Uh, are you in conditions that are favorable for the development of brown patch? It's possible, it's possible, but it's been cool, uh, for the most areas of the transition zone that I've been looking at here recently. So, unless you're in a weird area like maybe Texas or something like that, um, I would just say you're not in disease season. And what you're looking for is nighttime temperatures over 65, daytime temperatures, uh, you know, over 85, really, eh, 80 to 85, somewhere in there, and high relative humidity. If you lack those three pieces. Uh, you kind of lack the disease triangle, and therefore, the probability of you developing disease this late in the season is low, so I wouldn't deem it necessary. At
4: here recently,
0: Caller, I'm you're
4: like
3: live. Area, like or like that. Um, Hello? That
5: Caller? Nice yes?
0: Yeah. Caller, you're on the air. How can I help you, sir?
5: Um, I just, uh, I just over or nuked my lawn and I'm curious on what to do after that, after planting grass seed and cutting a few times.
0: Okay. So you nuked your lawn, you planted grass seed, you've already planted grass seed, right? And it's up and you've cut it a couple times.
5: Yeah. Sorry. I thought I was talking to a robot, but now I recognize your voice. Yes. Um, I did 80% (laughs) 80 Kentucky bluegrass and 20% perennial ryegrass. I'm in northwest Chicago. Hey!
0: Northern Illinois.
5: Um, I'm six six weeks and three days into my renovation, so I'm using a manual reel mower. Um, I'm cutting at uh, about an inch and a half. I had to overseed again just two weeks ago because I had some washout spots but what i'm wondering is when do i reduce water i'm watering once a day now um and doing a 1707 once a week of liquid fertilizer and i don't know i don't know where to go from here
0: yeah uh so we'll keep this real easy Uh, you can go ahead and cut your water now um uh, and I would, I would probably really ramp it back maybe like, uh, two days a week, something like that, where, you know, okay. a, a, a little bit of, uh, inducing a little bit of stress on the grass right now is not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Um, and then sure. the second piece of it would be, uh, as far as your fertilizer is concerned, just keep running until you get to dormancy, right? Uh, whatever you got okay. on hand, even if it's just straight urea, uh, there's no reason to do anything tricky or try to school it up or jazz it up or anything right now. Whatever you got, now's the time to just use it up, blow through your inventory, and be done with it. Um, I and would should, say...
5: It, should I you, stick to a liquid or should I... Because I'm, I'm about to run out of a dissolvable uh, fertilizer. I have a, like a 1707 powder that dissolves. Should I just go to a granular?
0: Uh yeah, if you if you if you got uh a granular on the shelf or or you got to go buy something or whatever, yeah, just go get the cheapest bag of, you know, urea that you can. Uh and really what you, where you would want to time it probably in your area, I would say sometime around October 15th to October 30th, uh put down a half pound of actual nitrogen and uh and then let it lie till till next year and that's that's about all you need to worry about.
5: Okay, yeah. My first frost is the ten-year average is uh, the fifteenth of October, roughly. So
0: perfect, perfect. Um, so yeah, I'd say right there on the fifteenth, get your last app down, half pound in, your gravy train.
5: And should I should I stick with like a quarter to a half a pound a week of nitrogen until then?
0: Uh, wow, that's a lot. Um, I no, so it is I, a lot. I haven't been a, doing
5: that. I've been I've been doing seventeen percent of a pound every week is what I've been doing currently.
0: Yeah, I think that's fine. Even if you space that out because your, your growth probability is, is slowing quite significantly right now. Um, so I would say, uh, every, yeah, yeah. Every, every two weeks, you know, 0.17 pounds every two weeks, you know, would probably be sufficient right now. I'd say you're, you're fairly loaded up in the soil. I doubt the grass is using all that yet.
5: Right, right. Yeah, I did a soil sample test in the spring, and I was really low well on nitrogen. That's the only reason I... have And I know it gets kind of weird in a sample test for nitrogen, but um, that's kind of why I've been hitting it heavier than... Instead of every two weeks, I did every every week just to try to catch up a little on the nitrogen.
0: Sure. And there's that methodology called the fall nitrogen blitz, right? And it tends to align better with Kentucky bluegrasses than others. And And since you are dominant KBG, then I think I think that makes sense. It's probably a little excessive, um, but uh, it's you're not going to hurt anything. How about that? It it, it may be a little wasteful on the the dollar side of things, but in terms of like hurting anything, hell no, you're good. Run with it.
5: Sure. And then last question. So I'm manual reel mowing um, mostly to avoid leaving ruts in the yard and to keep it a little bit lower to let any uh, late late bloomers germinate and sprout. Um, What should my like Winter height of cut be over two inches.
0: Uh, I, I, you, it could be, yeah. I, I'd say anywhere between your one and, and two inch mark, you, you know, call it good. Uh, I don't think okay. there's just like a specific number you need to target. Um, I'm thinking about you know up in your area you probably have to deal with a little bit of snow mold microdochium patch and um I don't know of any specific research that correlates to mowing height um so yeah I think and, I, and that may be wrong and that may be something you want to look up is is snow mold influenced by uh uh mowing height in Kentucky bluegrass that's probably like the phrase I would google and uh, and see if you sure. see anything out there If you don't, then just pick a height of cut and call it good. I I would not sweat that piece of it too much.
5: Okay. Yeah, just don't leave it too low. Don't leave it too long. Sure. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, thank you. Um, Obviously, I watch all your stuff, so I'll keep watching. But um, I appreciate it a lot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for calling in. I appreciate you, sir. Thank you, man. Take care. All right. We'll talk to you. Bye. In there. It's amazing how many people are uh are have got the uh Kentucky boot I say hey, it's amazing how many people it's not. I forget that there's a whole world out there outside of the South and it and it's amazing to me. <laughs> the redneck in me uh comes to the surface again. Uh if you feel like calling in, by all means, feel free. I do not bite. I'll be friendly with anybody. Whether I agree with you or not, I'll be friendly with you. That's a, that's actually not even a snide comment. I'm being dead serious about that uh 304-804-7277 grass is the call in number feel free to call in uh, hey. caller you're on the air how can i help
6: uh yeah i was wanting to know how you feel about um Uh, Pre emergence on centipede and St. Augustine grass.
0: Sir, you said the bad word that gives me real bad anxiety. <laughs> What's that? Centipede.
7: Oh,
0: <laughs> You Come on, say Matt, centipede, I start sweating, man. I'm telling you. Oh, <laughs> ah,
1: ah. Fall,
0: uh, fall uh, uh, pre-emergence on Centipede and St. Augustine, in my opinion, you got to do it. You got to do it. Um, okay. As far as what to use, being that this is the fall and you've got a decent length of time uh, for it to, to wear down, if you've got it in the budget, Spectacle, I think, would be an applicable uh, product in the, in the for this timing. Um, uh, mm-hmm. if not, then one of your, your, uh, dinitroalanines like, you know, prodiamine, penimethylene, um, or, uh, dimension. Here's where you have some good flexibility with, with centipede and St. Augustine is you can take advantage of simazine and atrazine as well. Um, so a right. combination yeah. mix of something like prodiamine and simazine would be actually a very efficacious, fall pre-emergent program for Centipede in St. Augustine. I, I had, I had a lot of success with that in the fall. I like that.
6: The reason I was asking is because I was watching one of your podcasts the other day with, uh, Green Doc. And y'all were talking about, you know, using a product like Coastal. Um, yeah. but you know, uh, Green Doc said that he wouldn't use Spectacle on St. Augustine, that he'd stay away from it, you know, even though it, you know, um, said you could, but you know, he wouldn't do it.
0: Yeah, I think, and this is where he, he and I would, would differ. I think in a, uh, let me ask you this. Are you in an area that goes fully dormant?
6: Um, I'm in Middle Georgia, so I would say the centipede does, but the St. Augustine will still have a little bit of green.
0: But it, you you basically go a, a couple months without needing to cut it, right? Yeah. Okay, so I think in that instance, I think I think that's where I, because because there's not going to be a whole lot of activity out of the plant then. And I think that reduced activity is what would increase the safety factor for using okay. uh, uh, a spectacle there. Okay, you may, you may want to run it by him too in that particular scenario where you are facing, it may not be a hard dormancy, but you are facing a quote-unquote dormant period uh, to get his take on it. And that's something we can actually bring up on the show on Thursday uh, because I would be curious to... Uh, his input on that, but I would think that because you do slow so much in growth and if you get it down early enough like now um and you know yeah. you don't have to theoretically reapply pre emergent until uh you, you know mid january mid february time frame, that should be sufficient right. time for it to work itself out uh just via the half life
6: okay, and the rate you think is Maybe two and a half, three ounces.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, I would say I would say three. Yeah, I I wouldn't go out there and bomb it with a six ounce rate or anything like that.
6: Right? Do split apps? Maybe.
0: Um, I, eh, it depends on what <laughs> else you have in the tank. If you if you've got simazine in the tank with it, um, uh-huh. I would say. Actually, hell, I, I, no, I, w- I would just do a single application with Simazine and call it good. A single because that's application su- that's such a, Yeah, it's such a low rate that uh, trying to split that, I don't know how well that would compound at an ounce and a half, ounce and a half, right? So um, yeah. that's why I think yeah, I would just stick to a three-ounce rate, call it good, be done with it.
6: Okay, and would you do that? Now or later in October?
0: Uh, where you are, I I'd be jumping on it sooner than later, that's for sure. I I I definitely wouldn't be going out there later than October fifteenth, that's for sure.
6: Okay. That's what I need to know, Matt. <laughs> well,
0: hey, I appreciate you calling in, sir. And uh that was not as bad of a centipede conversation as I thought we were gonna have. <laughs>
6: I know you don't like centipede. I've heard you say that before. That you don't like it.
0: it. I don't. It just it it just dies too randomly. I've killed too much of it accidentally over over my career. It just every time I think about it, and, I get nervous.
6: And see, that's what I'm scared of, and I'm in a predominant, you know, centipede St. Augustine area. There's you know hardly any Bermuda or Zosia.
0: Bless your heart. I do not envy you to <laughs> save my life. <laughs> uh, Augusto um, was was tough enough for me. I I I couldn't imagine that being the the dominant grass type where I lived. I would I to be honest, I may have to move. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
6: and you know, I've, I've got to figure it out. Or I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go hungry. You know. <laughs> mm.
0: <laughs> uh, Well, listen, I appreciate you calling in, sir. It was great talking to you. Thanks a lot. Uh, You too. I survived the centipede conversation. I was worried about it too. Let me tell you, I was nervous. Woo. It still gives me the heebie jeebies just thinking about it. Uh, Alex Mickle says, I cannot overcome this damn poet. Two overseedings. Is sodding the only solution? (laughs) No. You can you can sod it, and it's still gonna come back. Uh, it's just the nature of the beast. So, um, I don't know what to tell you, man. I apologize. Look at Ethofumisate. Adopt it. Call your Call How's
7: it going? What's up, dude? How are you? Good. I'm in uh, Savannah, Georgia.
0: Oh boy! What are <laughs> you doing in Savannah, Georgia?
7: Um. I've been uh, working in the turf industry for about seventeen years now in private country clubs.
0: Ah, Lord have mercy! I was going to ask, is your name Hobie Barrett? But uh, with Uh, with that background, no. But
7: I do know who Hobie Barrett is.
0: (laughs) Hobie's a great guy, isn't he?
7: Yeah, he's a pretty good guy.
0: I don't know. You may Um, hate the guy, but he's always
7: been nice to me. I mean, I don't know. I know, I know who of him. I know his landscaping company and whatnot. I mean, it's pretty small, small gotcha. industry.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about it. We're we're all inbred Eskimo brothers and sisters in some form or fashion. Uh, well, what's sure. going on, man? Uh, what what can I do for you? I don't know if there's shit I can do for you, to be honest.
7: Um, uh, I just, um, first of all, I wanted to just say what's up to some of my people, and uh, I kind of r- help out run a facebook group it's centipede lawn Fanatics, and uh we just i know you're not a big fan of centipede but we are and we're trying our best to help people out with centipede because it's you know it's so fickle and um i feel like we've been doing a pretty good job of helping people this year with it because we're getting a lot of good results and a lot of uh good feedback from people improving their lawns this year and um I don't know. It just feels good to help people out. And I've been watching and listening to your podcast lately. And I'm just, it's it's amazing to hear your story and hear when you started Carbon Earth and everything.
0: Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, thank you for putting the time in on the centipede piece of, of things because I, you know, I don't know if you heard me talking to that guy before, before you called in. I just, yeah, man, did. He was actually I do in not Georgia. miss it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had uh, uh yeah, the the time I spent in Augusta was was brutal. Uh and I, I, listen, I had skirted through my career without a whole lot of strife and then all of a sudden, you, you know, we had do you remember the ice storm that hit Georgia when uh, uh it shut down the highways and stuff in Atlanta? Yeah,
7: yeah, definitely.
0: So when that hit, you know, we had such catastrophic widespread uh death of of centipede saint augustine not so much but especially the centipede in augusta that i mean it just right. there was not a, a day that went by that you didn't get 10 phone calls about you know killing someone's lawn or at least being accused of it and you know i even had an instance where the plant board was called on me and i had to be you know it was like an investigation was launched where they even tested the chemical composition within the soil to make sure I didn't apply the wrong chemical. It was crazy. It was absolutely insane. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's why I don't ever want to dip my toe back in the centipede piece again, maybe when I'm old and ornery and just an angry human being, then, then I will, but at least for the time being, (laughs) I'll let you handle all that. What was the name of the Facebook group again? Plug the hell out of it.
7: Uh, centipede lawn fanatics.
0: It sounds like an oxymoron to me because I don't know how anybody could be fanatical about a centipede lawn, but you know, I'm sure they're out there and, crazy, and kudos man. to those We're guys. Doing,
7: I mean, we got some pretty good looking lawns.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty uh, amazing.
7: Hey, but uh, I have another question for you really quick. Yeah, man. All right. So I've had this discussion with tons of people in the industry. Um, it goes back and forth, back and forth. Is there... Actually, a pre-emergent out there that controls sedges. Uh, successful successfully.
0: N- no, I, not not all the not across the the board with carrots, right? Right. Um, right. You, you like you you may have more efficacy on like just yellow sedge. You know, nothing is going to prevent purple. Um, You know, some may have a little bit more on like some globe sedges, but as a, as a a general broad spectrum across the carrot species, hell no, not, not at all. Yeah.
7: You'd be, you'd be a millionaire if you could figure that out. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's some, there's some good post-emergent programs, you know, and you can trick those up and, uh, you know, and really dial in or dial out your, your systemic activity that, that you get from those. and. Um, I'd say one of the most, I would say closest to promising would be the uh, Amazosulfuron, what is it, uh, uh, Solero from New Farm. I'd, I'd say that's probably as good of a potential pre-emergent uh, as we could get, but that's more due to soil residual, not necessarily like preventative action that takes place. Um, right. But, but yeah, even, even then, you've got a, a fairly narrow label in terms of uh, what kind of, what, what quote unquote prevention would take place.
7: Right. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your input on that.
0: Yeah, man. I appreciate you calling in.
7: Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, thanks for taking my call.
0: Yes, sir. We'll talk to you. Thank you. All right. All right. Have a good night. We'll see it. The Centipede Lawn Fanatics on Facebook. If you are a centipede guy, get out there, go check it out. And uh and who who knows? I'd say that's that's probably a good home for you, not for me. <laughs> uh if you feel like calling in, we don't, we don't, no harm, no foul, no biting. Check us out. 304 804 7277. And we got another caller. Caller, you're live. Mateo Martinez. Who are you, sir? <laughs> the the NBN. How are you, good sir?
8: I'm good, sir. Thank you for asking. Um, uh, before I ask my question, I just want to give a quick shout out to my pinky in the chat. Uh, shout out to him. And um, pinky. Let me get a bunch Thank of you.
0: Thank you for showing up. Do what?
8: Yeah. And real quick, if I can just get a bunch of one one ones in the chat, that'd be awesome. Uh, all the viewers, they can just plug those in. That'd be great too. Um, as far as my question, Matt, um, I am concerned. Over the level of of NPK that's already in my soil. Um, about actually, it's been 45 days. I'm sorry. In the last 45 days, I put out um, probably two and a half pounds of nitrogen uh, to help follow out my ground. I was killing off my Bermuda, if you remember, you know me asking you that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> um, I uh, I don't know if I need to put down anything else when I put down my ryegrass. When I, when I seed really um should I or maybe you know a tenth of a pound of like sprayable one 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 or like a one three one I don't know what do you think
0: um no, because that phosphorus you've applied is not gonna go anywhere, so i would uh, I don't know what you have, but y yeah i or may not have
8: some um some grower G or I don't know maybe.
0: Yeah. I'd say, I'd say throw that down, you you know, uh, a third of a pound of in and just call it good. Uh, because everything else should be in place. It's not going to go anywhere unless, you know, the top two inches of your lawn erodes between now and then. Uh, and as long as it doesn't, then yeah, throw down your rack, call it good. And (laughs) yeah, I would, I would not worry about it. There's probably some nitrogen loss that occurs, uh, but everything else is going to be relatively stable in your soil type. So, yeah, no need to, to go gangbusters and, and do much of anything. In fact, in fact, I would not even apply the fertilizer with your seed. I would just put it down, let it come up, and then fertilize it uh, just to let it exhaust whatever remaining in is there. Um, because remember, you know, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium do not germinate grass. Water does. And uh, it'll gladly grow to two inches tall without a lick of fertilizer being in the soil. Uh, where it's just living off the energy that is in that seed. Um, and then from that point, you can make the determination, uh, you know, whether or not it needs fertilizer. And you can really do that based off aesthetic, right? If it doesn't have the color you you want out of it or whatever, um, then by all means, then you can, but I wouldn't even put anything down with the seed.
8: All right. Yeah. Um, I thought about that. But again, like I said, I first went out with like a pound of one, 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 um and then, you know, some uh sprayable AMS and then another pound of, of some Scott's fertilizer. I got I was just, you know, trying to grow everything I could out of it before I sprayed <laughs> it out. And um I mean everything's gone well. Um I'm gonna be tearing out whatever dead uh Bermuda I have left over and then um go heavy with the seed here and uh gonna ride it out till the spring comes and then see about some new Bermuda.
0: That's what I'm talking about. That sounds like an, an an awesome plan. And uh I le- so what's interesting here is that you, you are fouling, but at the same time you're also cover cropping, right? In preparation yeah. of, of new Bermuda coming down. So uh I think I think that's actually awesome and a great way to go about that about that. And you know, as you kill off that ryegrass, you're recycling a lot of the the nutrients that you've already put down. And uh, so I, I think it's a very economical, uh, environmentally conscious way to go about it. So kudos to you, sir.
8: Thank you. Um, that was all. The, that was my only question. Um, and uh, before I hang up, uh, J-Pink, go fornicate yourself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Aldo. <laughs> That's some inside baseball going on there. Uh, if you would like to call into the show, three oh four eighty grass uh three oh four eighty <laughs> grass ass uh or three oh four eight oh four seventy two seventy seven. We are taking calls live. And uh you can call in and ask your question. If not, no problem, no harm, no foul. We can continue answering them from the chat because they are still flying in here too. Roshan Parker said just got germination for Kentucky bluegrass ever since midnight. How much and often should I blast it first so it grows in well before the winter? goal is to mow at a half inch to to three quarters of an inch. Um, It depends on your nitrogen source, right? If you're running a quick release source every two to four weeks, somewhere in there would be ample sufficient uh, to do so. Uh, If you're applying a liquid fertilizer, then you could get a little bit more frequent, but probably not necessary. Caller, you're live.
3: Hey, I had a Quick question for you. Um, I got my my seed in pretty late perennial ryegrass. I live in Michigan and by Detroit, and my first frost is coming up uh, probably around the fourteenth or so. And I was going to do an overseed, uh, kind of heavy overseed. And would it be pointless for me to do that now? Is it too late? I mean, should I wait for spring?
0: So, if you're up near Detroit. It, I... I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here. Is it too late? Yes. Could you dormant seed? Yes. The caveat with dormant seeding is how effective is it going to be? Are you okay if only 60% germinates? Um, If it were me, and again, please understand that I have no experience in managing turf uh, in, in Michigan. I've, I, I lie. I have been that far before. I have been to Detroit once in eighth grade. Uh, I've never outside <laughs> of that. I've never been that far north. So um, this is just me going through my thought process and off the the basis of the things I have looked at and the people I know in that area that do this professionally, I would wait till spring. Um, if now, if you've got like, is it fully bare right now? Like, is it completely smoked out and bare or Have you got a decent? No,
3: no, I would say 80% of the lawn is in there, but there's some big spots and, you know, I just, I didn't want to seed it and then like frost comes and then have it kill anything. And right now my temperatures are high sixties, low seventies, and that's all about to disappear in probably about a week and a half. And I know it's going to slow everything down and the sunlight isn't as much anymore. So I was just nervous because it's expensive seed and I would just hate to just throw it away.
0: And that and with the seed shortages, the how difficult it would be to just go get more, uh, especially if this is a, a prized cultivar cultivar blend that you've come up with, I would just wait till spring and and do it then. Um it's not that the frost is gonna kill it, it's just that it may not germinate before then and then it gives it time over winter to rot or whatever takes place, and then it never does establish, and then you're just out that seed and you gotta do it all over again, right?
3: And then one last thing, my my phosphorus is high in the lawn. And I was told that, you know, I I wouldn't have to put down a starter fertilizer, that, you know, the seed will find it and, you know, that it's not needed, you know. And if I don't have to put down phosphorus, I I don't
5: want to do it. I live by the water.
0: Yeah, then, yeah, then no reason to put down phosphorus. You can grow in grass without phosphorus, uh, if if as long as you have a sufficient level in your soil, you can grow in grass without phosphorus all day long.
3: All right. Well, I appreciate your help, Matt. I uh, listen to the show all the time. My name's Clint. I've actually talked to you before, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. Uh,
0: Clint, damn it! I did. I, to be <laughs> honest, when I first heard your voice, I, you're the you're the lawn uh, the neighbor dominator, right? The lawn. Dominator? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. TND. Yeah. Uh, so when yeah. you called in and I heard your voice, I at first thought you were in upstate New York, right? And then when you said Detroit, I was, I thought to myself, I was like, I wonder if that's Clint, but I did not recognize your accent. You sounded, you must've had a hard ass day at work because your, your accent sounds totally no, different.
3: I just, I just had throat surgery. So oh, my, I, I had it Christ. two weeks ago. So I just got my, I just got my voice back kind of. So, but uh, you're taking calls. So I figured I'd call in. Cause, uh, yeah, I just got the seat in and it was a, a pain in the ass to get, and I just, I don't want to throw it away. So I figured I'd call and ask you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait till spring. I hope you're recovering well. Are you feeling better? Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's, uh, it's been rough. Uh, you know, my, the business that I'm in, it requires my voice and, uh, it's, it's tough being quiet. So, um, but, uh, this was, I figured I'd talk for this phone call cause it was so hard to get that seat. So
5: figured I'd ask the pro.
0: Yeah man, get you the rest your damn voice. Get off my damn phone. Rest your voice, drink <laughs> you a dozen hot toddies, get real good and tipsy and uh and 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 rehab that damn thing. <laughs> will do. All right, thanks brother. All right, Clint, we'll talk to you sir. All right, we'll see you. See ya. Everybody go check him out, the Neighbor Dominator. I love Clint. He's a great guy. We have we have we always have great conversations when we talk on the phone. He's a good dude. Um, if you would like to call in, we're taking calls. live 304-804-7277 or 304 80 gra uh So uh, anyway, back to Roshan Parker there. How often should you blast it with fur? Every two weeks is is fine. Um, you know, is is a general rule of thumb, this is a g- very generalized. Do not take this to heart. I highly recommend going to check out a growth probability model to make precise estimates. But as a general rule of thumb, uh, there's no real reason from the time you seed through the end of your season to apply more than, say, uh, uh, you know, two, two pounds of it. It's a very generalized rule of thumb. Understand that is, I'm not telling everybody to do that. That's a very generalized. So look at what you're doing. You can kind of base it off that. But pace turf, growth probability model, climate appraisal form. Uh, check that out for more hyper-specificity.
4: Collar, you on the air. Is this Matt, the Grass Factor, Martin?
0: It's somebody like that of the sorts. How are you, sir? Thanks for calling in.
4: <laughs> so I got one question for you. What you got? only one when you coming to Texas to fix my damn grass
0: oh man listen everything's better in Texas I know that I've seen it with my own two eyes there's a piece of me that's stuck here in Tennessee though and I don't know I the the question is I don't know you know what I really want to do what's your name by the way
4: it's Jason buddy
0: no is it (laughs) Taylor yes sir it's Jason motherfucking trailer. What is up, dude? All right. So What's listen up, here. Man? No lie. We, we've, we've been talking about this uh, behind behind the scenes kind of sort of deal. We are talking about maybe doing a live show in Texas. I think that would be a lot of fun. I love Texas. Um I I've I've been to Dallas once and i had the time of my life there for the short amount of time that i was there and uh and i want to go back and it doesn't necessarily have to be be dallas i i'll go i'll go anywhere and uh but man that would be great because we could bring all the cameras we could come out to your place we could mess around with your wild ass bermuda and uh and try and figure out something to do with it has it how close to shut down is it right now is it is it even growing anymore?
4: Yeah, it's still growing. It's it's getting a little close, though. It's definitely slowed way down. Yeah, so... You know, the so, pictures I put on Discord, man, I even sent pictures to, oh, what was his name? Lee Butler at NC State?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
4: And he's like, man, you got something going on, but he wouldn't say what it was. I can't figure it out, Matt.
0: I can't I, I'm telling you, I don't I don't know either. And I'm not sure if it's a physical problem or a uh a a pathogen problem, a disease problem. I and, and and why why I'm going physical is because the with the fungicides, I know you have applied to that. With the fertility program, I know you you've applied to that. To be still encountering this, that's why I'm I'm going backwards on it and going towards there's something physical taking place with it. And, and, and what I mean by physical is like some sort of weird, uh, uh, mm, I, I, it's struggling to, to establish roots in the area or, or something, uh, uh, some, some sort of resistance against that plant. So the I'm, dude trailer, I need to come down there. We need to look at that, and we just need to go literally, I don't know. We need to do some wild-ass shit to it.
4: Sure, man. I mean, it's it's got to be the crappiest variety of Bermuda I've ever seen.
0: And it's supposed to be 419, right? Well,
4: there's, there's 419, so it's, you know, I'm kind of like the hungry southerner. I have builder-grade sod. And it's like a, it's like a hodgepodge, you know, it's whatever they had on the truck. And it's the worst in the back. The front yard is fairly uniform. There's a a majority of 419 where there's a little bit of invading common. But in the back, man, it's like huge patches of this common stuff that just turns yellow and doesn't want to grow. And man, I've stuck my screwdriver in the ground, dug holes. I'm like, there's, there's roots, there's. Moisture, Not too much. I, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's just got to be a crappy strain. That's all I got to say.
0: Yeah. You've got some kind of weird genetically failure of a, of a Bermuda grass back there. How, how tempted are you to kill it off and put in something else in those areas?
4: I got a, I got a $400 bag of seed waiting for next spring. <laughs>
0: Okay, that answers my question. Okay,
4: hopefully then, it's going to change, man. Hopefully,
0: I think I, honest to God, think it will. Um, I, I think, I think whatever, whatever. Oh my goodness! You know what just dawned on me? What's that? So, we were talking to John Ware on Thursday, and he said he had coastal Bermuda in his lawn and we were making fun of coastal bermuda because it's absolutely impossible to keep that grass green and it does not like to be cut short it's a it's a uh, it is purely for pasture and for grazing i wonder. That's what i got man <laughs> i wonder if you don't have a pasture genetic you know i i can't even remember what all the is it is it tifway 318 or or tiff way. It may just be tiff way. I can't remember, but I wonder if you don't have a grazing cultivar Bermuda and that's why it does not tolerate because you even raise your height of cut to what? Three quarters of an inch.
4: Yeah. And the shorter you go, man, that stuff starts checking out. It starts receding like worse than my hairline. You know I mean? It's, it's bad.
0: (laughs) Have you seen mine? Uh, So I've, you know, I've, I've got common here and it does not like, you you, you know, anything below 0.6 is, it starts to get, starts to get squirrely. Right. So, um, I don't think what you have is, is just a true native common. I think, I think you've, I think you've got a pasture grass in there.
4: Maybe that's why the front does so much better because the mixture that's in there, man, it doesn't seem to mind it. It just, it keeps on rocking while the back is like, like, what is this patchy cow grass? It, it just doesn't look right, man.
0: I tell you what, let it grow to eight inches. Get you a cow and see if it just doesn't <laughs> look awesome.
4: It probably will. Probably will. but my it might look <laughs> All right, man. I gotta say one thing. Yeah. Before I let you go, and it's just I freaking love you, man.
0: I freaking love you, a long Trailer. Time ago. <laughs> I appreciate you calling in. This has been the highlight of my show. For everybody listening at home, you know, Trailer goes back to the damn uh, uh, radio days when we did this on on radio and all that. So, and this is the first time I I've ever that. talked to you on the phone and uh and it's and it's great it's it's funny on your birthday one time your wife sent me an email and was like can you give a shout out to my husband he said it's part of his routine when he gets home from work he uh, sits out on the back porch turns it on and has him a, 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 an adult beverage and uh and just vegetates for the rest of the day i was like damn hell yeah that's my guy right there
4: <laughs> i enjoyed that show man i enjoy you i love you guys and your show and just keep it up brother.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, Jason. It was great talking to you. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right. We'll see you. There he is, Mr. Beautiful himself, Jason Traylor. Uh, we're going to go a little bit longer here before we start uh, winding it down because why not? We can, right? So if you would like to call in 304 80 GURAS 30480 GURAS or 304-804-7277 this is the number to call in and be on air. And if you don't want to, no problem. I'm trying to get to things in the, uh, in the chat right now, but it is, I am so far behind on, uh, on anything that was, that was even asked. I have, I have no idea where to look. I don't even know where to look. The it looks like the chat has kind of been all over the place. Look at, um, I'm, I'm scrolling up now and I see, ah, oh, here we go, Triple Eight Huskers. I want to know your thoughts on the difference between applying T-NEX foliar versus a root zone application consumer product from Bayer like Slow Motion. Okay, so T-NEX is, has the highest level of efficiency applied uh, foliarly because it is primarily absorbed through the leaves. Um, So there may be some uptake that occurs through uh, presence at the crown, but for the most part to get a true uh, uh, understanding and response from it, a foliar application is necessary. Um, Because, you know, especially when you start moving into predictive modeling based on growing degree days and stuff like that, and you may catch yourself coming out of rebound and you didn't reapply quick enough because... Uh, you didn't have the appropriate rate, and so you truly don't know what suppression is until you have applied as a foliar. Um, uh, well, I thought that was another one, but that wasn't it. There, oh corn, damn it, Mark, I'm sorry, I missed it on uh, on the dude in uh, uh, in Savannah about grinding, grinding on that Flex 21. That is my fault. Uh, I don't think that I've ever seen centipede or zoysia grass. I also didn't realize there were so many damn weeds. Yes, there are a ton of weeds and, uh, there's nothing, there's nothing fun about it. Uh, is that it? I think that's it. Jay pink. Did my glossing over any obvious questions here? I'm kind of scrolled up far on.
3: Uh, there was one and I know we touched on Solero, but we had one that said started using Solero in 2020 after two 8-ounce an acre spot sprays, one in July, one in August, I had zero sedge for 11 and a half months uh, on normally sedge happy lawns. Was this a fluke? The label doesn't say it has pre-emergent. I was just wondering if maybe uh, making a post-emergent app with hopes of pre-emergent effects would have anything to do related to that, what rate would probably work, what timing might work. Uh, Sedge service calls are straight from hell in July and August.
0: Okay, so no, it was not a fluke. And the reason why I talk about Solero and pre-emergent activities is Amazosulfuron, I did a video about it all about Solero, so you can go back and watch that. And I cite this particular study. Solero was researched as a pre-emergent for sedge in rice. Uh, And I think it was conducted by University of Arkansas. And so that's where I got that into my head and started dissecting about that imidazolinone chain uh attached to that sulfonylurea molecule um is what likely gives it the uh the action on the sedge and then of course the um uh the 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 type of soil residual we get out of uh, uh sulfonylureas, right? So that basically I used a study to Try and make sense of the um, uh, the composition of the of the actual chemical itself, and uh, and so it does make sense to me that way. I one hundred percent do not think it's a gimmick. What you will see is that in their trials, they ran, I believe, a higher rate. So I think they started at eight ounces and went all the way up to sixteen, what would equate to sixteen ounces of uh, of product per acre, uh, were the rates they use, and they did show um effective effective uh pre control of sedge now that being said there were some sedge species that were more impacted than others it was not 100% across the line so um yeah i agree 100% let's see uh I see Johnny, Johnny Feskey. That's funny. <laughs> that is funny. All right. Well, if that is it, then I say, damn it, we did our best. We're coming in right at an hour. So I think perfect timing. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And I can't wait to do this again. We'll, uh, we'll have us another, another little call in show. Cause I'm not gonna lie. I have a lot of fun doing this. This is, uh, this reminds me so much of, uh, the old radio days that I can't help but do it. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you on Thirsty Thursday. Coming up, man, we've got an extra special guest. We've got another Tennessee man, Delly Coleman. So don't miss it. Then beyond that, Sunday for the members, we'll be recording our next episode of Burn and Return. We'll check y'all on the flip side. Take it easy.